Preventing suicide is one of our society's most significant challenges. That's why the Flint Hills Volunteer Center has developed this Suicide Awareness Pact podcast. Pact stands for Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, Training. The Suicide Awareness Pact podcast will feature personal stories and professional perspectives. This series is partly funded by the Kansas Department for Aging and Disabilities Services, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Our mission is to touch hearts and provide hope amidst despair. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and a positive outlook. Our website and contact information are included in the show notes. Lori Bishop, we have a terrific guest joining us on the uh, Suicide Pact podcast. And uh, she's someone that uh, you've become very familiar with, uh, working with uh, the number of agencies that you are associated with. Uh, that are all trying to, you know, work toward, uh, you know, helping people through tough times. Yes, and Kathy and I have known each other for many years. We both are uh, America Senior RCP directors, and so we we, we go right back, go way back. But um, today, uh, I want to introduce Kathy Shepard. She is the chair of the SMVF subcommittee that stands for Service Members, Veterans, and Families with the Governor's Behavioral Health Services Planning Council. Kathy, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Lori. Do you want to uh, explain what uh, this, uh, the SMVF is uh, all about and, and uh, what the plan of the subcommittee is? Sure. So our um, Governor's Behavioral Health Services Planning Council has different subcommittees for different areas that they focus on. And ours happens to be the Service Member Veterans and Families Subcommittee. And so we're focusing on everything veteran from our active duty military um, to our retired veterans. Um, we, we look at what they need in Kansas, and this is Kansas specific that we're talking about. And so we're looking at what can make their lives better. And so then we come up with recommendations throughout the year of items that we think are important for veterans and their families. And then we present that um, to the Governor's Behavioral Health Services Planning Council and KDADS. And then from that, um, they uh, choose their priorities for the year. Yeah, and I'm I'm proud to be a, a member of this uh, subcommittee too, and uh, I've learned a lot myself from that. But very proud and pleased uh, what this subcommittee is doing, and and how they are wanting to reach our military community, the you know our our active duty, our retired, uh, all of those that um, hopefully we can make a make a difference and be an influence for. I have really enjoyed my time on the subcommittee and I've been on it for a few years and I've seen a lot of growth over that time. So I'm excited with what we're proposing for the next year and what we think is going to be important. Do you want to share a little bit about that? What, what are the goals coming up? So one of the goals is we have a, um, a website and a Facebook page that's called Live Connected Kansas. And we try to put information out there about opportunities for veterans and their families that are coming up. Um, it could be anything from, uh, and it's across the state, 
But anything that might be important for them, whether it be just something fun that's going on that's geared towards veterans or workshops, um, conferences, different things like that. So anything that we have that has to do with veterans, we want to get that on that website. And we feel like with the website and the Facebook page, we can make connections for veterans with other veterans, with our committee. And we're just hoping that um, by sharing all that information, even in like legislation that might be coming out, and by sharing those things that we're going to help improve the veterans' lives. Um, one of the big things that we've worked on for the past year was we really wanted to have um, a, a PSA that was done by the governor that focused on our service members, veterans, and families. And we've been working on getting this done we started back before COVID and then we just had a complication after another complication. And so we finally got that done. So we're excited about that. And the governor did a really good job. I had no idea that she was the daughter of a World War II veteran who received the Purple Heart. And so she really personalized that PSA and just reaching out to veterans and saying, it's okay if you're struggling, you know, reach out, get some help. And so we feel like that's really exciting to have that completed now and are getting the final approvals to get that out um, so everybody can hear that PSA. Kathy, it's been a few years that the number 22 has been kind of surfaced when it comes to the number of suicides with those in, in the military. And I think that that just caught, that's an astonishing number, it just caught a lot of people by surprise. And, and I think that that incentivized a lot of agencies, a lot of um, uh, government um, entities to really work toward reducing that number. Can you give us some perspective on, on how that progress is going? So depending on who you talk to, <laughs> what that number is, um, if you talk to veteran service organizations, they'll quote you the number of 22. If you talk to the VA, they're going to quote you a number down around 17. And I didn't understand what the difference was there. And as I was reading about that, the VA has stopped counting the garden reserve numbers of suicides in, in their official number. So that's a little bit of the disparity there is um, we're looking at two different things. So it looks like our numbers have gone down, um, but... In reality, I'm not so sure that they have. I, I think we're probably back up there around the 22. Uh, for Kansas, in we got the Kansas violent death report for 2019 to 2020. And for it, it says in Kansas, we had 24.1 per 100,000 um, citizens. So that's even higher. And one of the facts that we found out from that is most people would think that these are your young men and women who are coming out of the military and transitioning back into civilian life. And that's not true. Our highest number in Kansas of deaths by suicide are in the age group of 64 and older. 
So everybody is pretty surprised about that. And it's like 47%. Uh, Kathy, uh, when you talked about the statistics for Kansas, is there a, a, a national ranking? Like, where does Kansas fit in? Is, is there a way to track where we are number-wise, state to state? I think there is, and I don't have that number with me um, today to see where we're at. Um one of the other interesting things from the Kansas report was the number who died by firearm of those, and it was a significant number. Um, and so that leads into one of our other goals uh, for the year is providing lethal means safety. And by that, we're not trying to do anything political. What we really want is just for people to make sure that they're storing their own uh, firearms safely um, and making sure that um, they have a safety plan if they are in crisis, that they know what they need to do with that firearm to make sure that they don't um, use that in a split second moment where they're not seeing a good future and um, end up doing something that is going to affect their family and many others for the rest of their years. So um, we're, we're not telling people they should um, give their guns away or anything like that. We just really want to promote the safe storage of them. So, Kathy, do you want to share a little bit about, uh, we have a, a several members serving on this uh, subcommittee, and then it's broken down into various other subcommittees. Do you want to describe the various subcommittees and what each are doing? Um, I'm not sure that I can list all of them, but we we have, um, we have a, a suicide uh, rural and frontier uh, prevention and our SMBF subcommittee. And I know there's a few more I'm forgetting, but um, there's a wide variety. And the people that serve on these committees come from all across our state with various backgrounds. Um, for example, our subcommittee, we have people who are affiliated with the Garden Reserve. Um, we have a person who's actually works on Fort Riley. Um, we have people like you and I who are grant directors, and um, one of our work plans has to do with our service members, veterans, and families. And then we have people who are in the mental health field, which I don't have that background, even though my sponsor is a mental health um, organization. I don't have that background myself. Yeah, that's one of the things we found out from doing our um, our, our PACT program, Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, and Training, is um, we're training ambassadors uh, to go out, and they're being trained by a licensed uh, psychotherapist. And so you're right, we don't have that background, so we have to rely on someone within that mental health capacity to, to do the training so that we can go out and, and uh, provide education and, and, and do the trainings. And so uh, that's worked really well for us. I think we're about 12 ambassadors now that we have and, and going out um, and providing trainings uh, around uh, within our service areas. So, um, but I, I agree, we've, we've got to have that, that, those people that have that knowledge to answer questions that we can't. Well, and that's so important because our licensed therapists and all, they're not going to reach every person. And every one of our service members, veterans, or their families, they're not going to necessarily reach out 
to somebody who works in the mental health field, but they might reach out to you or I or someone else who um, just works with the veteran population. And so it's so good for um, us to have some kind of training. And that's another one of our goals for the year is to try and get more of our veteran service organizations to take mental health first aid or some other type of training that you don't have to decide if the person needs help or you just need to be aware of signs and then make sure that you're helping them find somebody who truly can and is qualified to help them. Kathy, there are a number of new methodologies in treating um, soldiers uh, specifically that uh, are challenged in one way or another with mental health issues. Is there anything that gives you a greater sense of hope in, in helping them find, you know, uh, a sense of relief? So as far as the treatment wise, I, like I said, I don't have the mental health background, but the things that we see that are so important is the community involvement and the wraparound um, of our communities and just making sure that our um, our veterans, their families and our service members, that they all feel welcome in our community, that they feel a part of it. And their kids, especially because a lot of times we don't think about the children. And if they have a veteran living in their home who is dealing with PTS, so many times that affects the kids so much. And you know, educating our teachers and our school districts and everything, just small things like that can make such a big difference. Kathy, do you want to share? I know we're really trying to promote the Live Connected. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that and talk about the website? So this was an idea that kind of came out of um, a committee a few years ago. And Arizona has a great program and so we kind of modeled it off of that, but we want to have resources available. So, for example, if you get on the website, you can find every VFW that's located within the state and know where that's at. So if you really feel like you need to reach out to someone else who served, then you know what VFW is close to you. Um, we've listed every mental health center in the state of Kansas on that website. Uh, so there's many different things like that that are going to be resources that are available there um, for our veterans and their family members um, and the activities. Sometimes we don't always reach out and ask, you know, if there's something going on in your community um, that's going to benefit veterans. And so um, having all that out there available is exciting that, you know, there's something that they can do where they're going to be around other veterans. Um, sometimes when they come out of the military, losing that connection um, that they had with all their brothers they served, brothers and sisters that they served with, um, they really miss that. And so getting them together um, where they can enjoy time together and have that bond with other veterans is really important too. Kathy, share what that website is, the link. Um, it, it's liveconnectedkansas.org. Well, Kathy, are there um, any additional secrets that you can offer us on trying to get uh, folks to, to find the help that they need? So if, if you have a service member, veteran, or family in your community, reach out to them. Um, 
I know our veterans sometimes will say that saying thank you isn't enough, but there are little things you can do in your community, especially in the area around Manhattan, Fort Riley, Junction City. I mean, you have so many families that are living in the community there um, that their veteran may be deployed. And there are little things like even helping mow the yard, um, just ways to connect with them and make them feel welcome and just do little things for them. You know, it, it, if it's Veterans Day, then maybe drop something off by their house. If, you know, if it's um, the month of the military child, try and do something just small. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but just small things like that make people feel so welcome. And so little things like that are connecting our veterans and their family members with the community. And we just feel like that's a really important thing, whether it's someone transitioning out of the military or it's your Vietnam veterans or Korean veterans. Um, so many times our uh, veterans that served in Vietnam and Korea, we don't think about the needs that they're having. And what we're seeing is a lot of times um, they're losing family members, they're retiring from their jobs. And when they came back from the war, especially our Vietnam veterans, they weren't welcome home. And many of them hid the fact that they served for so many years. And so they don't want to reach out. Um, to other people. They don't want people necessarily to know. It is getting better in the last few years, but reaching out to that age group of veterans is so important too. Um, like with my dad, he served in World War II, and I never knew anything about his service. And when my boys got into school, he would pick them up after school and he would watch TV with them. And a lot of times they'd watch the History Channel and my, we'd be watching something else on TV at night. And my boys would say, well, grandpa was there. And I'm like, how do you know that? I never knew that all these years. And my dad had finally shared with them. So um, they just didn't share. They came home. Many of them got married. They started their careers. They worked all their life. And now they're to the point where they're retiring and have, they have all this extra time on their hands. And many of them have lost friends or lost spouses. And so they're kind of feeling alone. And so the, it's really critical that we're reaching out to all of them. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about that family history and stuff and and uh, our, our young people and, and doing that. Because my fondest memory, my dad served in uh, the Korean War with, along with his five brothers. So my grandmother was named Navy Mother of the Year because she had all six sons serving in the Navy at the same, same time. So she had a, 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 a really great tribute, had a huge, uh, when she passed away, a, a funeral service uh, recognizing her and, and stuff. So that's, that's a proud moment for us. And I hope more of the younger people listening to that will go back and reach out to your your father, your grandfather, mother, grandmother, whatever, and learn about their service and, and what they did. So I, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, one of the things that we did, my dad, as he got older, started getting dementia. And so one of the things that we thought was important is 
we wanted our boys to sit down with him and ask him questions about his service. So that way we could always remember. And we wanted to do it before his memory got even worse. And so they did that. And after he passed away, my son got home the next day and we sat down and watched that. And that's such a cherished memory for me and being able to go back and look at that is so important and there were so many details that we didn't know until we recorded that so I would encourage everybody to do that with your veteran you know really get to know and ask them about their service and there's many that don't want to talk about it and I've had people say that to me before and then as we get to talking they really do talk about it more than you would think so it's important. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today uh, and sharing about the Governor's Behavioral Council and our services and uh, the SMVF and, um, and involving our military community. It's been a pleasure having you on. Well, thank you very much. We hope you or someone you love will benefit from this series. If you need help, reach out to the many resources that are available and those that are listed in the show notes. The Flint Hills Volunteer Center's Suicide Awareness Pact podcast series is partly funded by the Kansas Department for Aging and Disabilities Services, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope.